hot pot. Heartbreak. 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 Little bit of tea in the hot pot. Heartbreak. Court case. Hot pot. Heart. Break. There's more cowbell for you, Ed. Little. Had to wait for that. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Heartbreak in a Hot Pot. How I Lost 45 Pounds in Six Months. This is episode 16. And uh, I'd like to remind you if you have any questions for me, want to reach out, you can reach me at Kevin, K E V I N, at hotpotforlife.com. H O T P O T F O R L I F E.com. I'd love to you know, get your feedback. If you have any questions for me, I'll respond. I appreciate it. So in the last episode, we talked a lot about the end of the business, how, how we were shut down, and my drinking problems, and how I worked my way through that. And, uh, and then we finished with a little Jonathan Richmond sentiment, um, where he said, uh, find me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in there, just like I was six years old and someone loved me. Someone loved me. So the next bit here, I'm, I'm going to go into my Tuesday mornings going to therapy. Uh, I call this Dunn Brothers Tea and Emily. There are a few people out there who make you feel kind of special just in your day-to-day life. You know, small interactions with people and connect you, make you feel like you're part of something. You may not really know these people, you just see them on a regular basis, they seem really nice, and they kind of make your day. These are the people in your life that make a small difference, but it's also a big difference. So I went to therapy every Tuesday morning, 8 a.m. It's a building on Loring Park in Minneapolis, Minnesota. A Loring Park is a beautiful park, downtown Minneapolis. It's surrounded by uh, the Walker Art Museum installation, you know, a bunch of really nice art pieces, and a really nice serene lake. And there's a, a bunch of really entertaining squirrels that live around the lake. You can just ask my friend Betsy. I shared pics with her every week that I went. Uh, she's very pretty, by the way. I think she uh, was probably confused by all my, my, my squirrel pictures, but I always got a kick out of them. So regardless of whether I was driving 15 minutes or the 35 minutes to get to therapy, depending on where I lived, you know, I always tried to arrive about 45 minutes early or, or even more. Gave me time to go to Dunn Brothers, uh, which is you know, a coffee shop. It's right on the edge of Loring Park. So I'd get in the short line, and when it was my turn, Emily, you know, it was usually Emily, she'd give me a smile and ask, you know, if I wanted to have the usual, my Earl Grey hot tea large. I always answered, yes, ma'am, and asked her how her morning was going. It was a simple exchange, but it was something I would always count on you know, for over five years. It made me feel like I was part of a community. I'd take my tea and either sit inside when it was negative 20 degrees outside, 
and drink some of it. Or if it was, if it, if it wasn't negative thirty, I'd I'd go take my tea and sit on one of the park branches and you know, watch the squirrels sit on the edge of the lake. When eight a.m. approached, I'd I'd take up a position on a bench close to Catherine's office so I could walk in with her. You know, COVID locked the front door forever. I don't think it's ever going back. You know, so you had to have uh, somebody take you in or unlock the door. That was my Tuesday morning. Thank you, Emily. I, I really appreciate everything you gave me. It was it was small, but it it was important. So now my former employees, uh, my family, the folks that, you know, we, we relied on each other. What happened there? So now that I had no business and little prospect for a job, I didn't even seem to be gaining any traction in, in getting an interview. I started feeling even more isolated, more depressed. You know, I couldn't envision starting a new life, a new career at the age of 57, and I had zero financial resources to rely on. I still had to find a way to make that last payroll. Nobody came in to buy the salons. Nobody came in with those funds that I was really hoping for to cover payroll. I started getting texts from some of our team members asking, where's my money? I didn't even know how to get started selling the inventory we had in the salons. I, I just... I was still just kind of waiting, you know, uh, treading water. I just, I didn't know what, what to do. Tammy called me and said she'd assembled a demand letter for the last payroll. Said it was something she had to do. She said I'd receive it via registered mail. I acknowledged what she said, but, but my head was swimming. I, I didn't understand what she meant. I mean, obviously I was going to try and pay. It was a demand letter. So a few days later, on June 7th, 2023, I received this letter. To whom it may concern. Jeez. This letter is demanding our final paychecks and unused PTO on behalf of all team members that were left unpaid with LDN Corps. We worked the week of May 7th to May 13th, 2023, and were not paid our final paychecks. We were informed our company had to close its doors on Sunday, May 14th, and we would not be returning to work. We were supposed to be paid for our last week on Friday, May 26th, 2023. It is within our right to demand our final wages and PTO, and you will have 24 hours to do so upon receiving this letter. On behalf of all team members employed at Eldan Corps. To whom it may concern. Wow. To whom it may concern. I'd be re I'd been reduced to a whom. And you will have 24 hours to do so upon receiving this letter. I couldn't believe the coldness. I mean, what did it mean to whom it may concern? How big of a company were we? Was I supposed to send this to the chief financial officer? Or maybe our, maybe our huge legal department? 24 hours to do so upon receiving this letter, or what? The implied threat was made more tangible by the brevity of the letter. My team, the, extend, the extended family we'd built, and making it clear that there was no love lost where our relationship had evolved. 
The letter not only demanded pay, but it also demanded the paid time off payouts. I already knew what payroll would cost. Like, like I said before, it was about $15,000. I ran the PTO calculations really quickly. You know, the number of hours accrued by each individual for their paid time off, you know, multiplied by their base hourly rate. And uh, that PTO payout added over $14,000 to the total expense. I mean, how was I going to pay that? I sent the letter to my lawyer. Then I did some research. In the state of Minnesota, an employer can go to prison for failing to make payroll. Wow, jail time. I could go to prison. I never dreamed that my little business would evaporate overnight and that I'd be faced with legal consequences for something that I had no control over. At least in my opinion. I, <laughs> and I know I went down that path, but you know, where we ended up. My attorney told me verbally, that he had never heard of such a harsh penalty, but they could garnish my future wages until the debt was paid. Meanwhile, Tammy wrote to the attorney to clarify the employee's position. There was no doubt what that position was, but it was again so impersonal and so harsh it was hard to fathom. You know, what drove such a letter? So here's the employee follow-up. Just following up as I know Kevin had filled you in this morning from the letter that was sent to him demanding our final wages. Kevin knew that letter was coming as he was the one who told me I could send it to follow the proper procedures with the state to hopefully get help with the employees' wages covered. I was guided by a representative with the Minnesota Department of Labor on, Labor on what to include in the letter. I did follow up with the Department of Labor today and they said at this point there's nothing else they can do on their end since Kevin is in bankruptcy and that I should reach out to you directly to make sure the employee wages were first in line with the bankruptcy court. I know you're already doing this, but again, just following the procedures I'm being guided to do. Please let me know if I can be of any other assistance. My lawyer John replied with a brief note, uh, which finished with a very nice sentence sentiment that made me tear up again. The bankruptcy case will be dismissed mid-June 2023. Kevin is trying to round up the funds to get employees paid. Currently, the bank account is negative. The whole situation is awful. Tell the employees to give Kevin some grace as he tries to figure this out. John, give Kevin some grace. This is the first time in all of the events that happened since the court shut me down that I felt somebody in the outside world understood the pain and fear that I was I was experiencing. You know, at least now I was sober. <laughs> I could I could think clearly and I could start taking some action finally. I mean it's amazing, you know, the the sudden clarity that comes about when you get rid of alcohol. So I was, I was uh, on top of my game. I was back and I started moving into selling stuff. I had to sell stuff to make payroll. One of the uh, friendly Fantastic Sam's owners in the area contacted me. His name's Steve. He'd bought five salons around the same time that I bought my seven. He, had, he wanted to know if any of my salons had the new design. You know, a few years before I bought my salons, 
Fantastic Sam's had updated their salon design, which happens occasionally in the retail world, obviously. You know, the, the upgrade required an investment of somewhere in the neighborhood of 20000 to $25,000. <laughs> when we bought, we were supposed to have that cash on hand and were expected to perform this up, upgrade, but no one did. The rules have become so lax that many, you know, many of the salons still had this old look, if not even an older look, you know, two, two or three generations back. I mean, my understanding was that in the South, uh, the, some of the salons really had an outdated, ugly look. You know, so that was another representation of the brand and and, and the and, and how they they came across. I had two salons that had this new look, and there were two owners who wanted those fixtures. <laughs> we we might be saved. I mean, I couldn't believe it. They came to me. Each of these owners, you know, Steve and another ownership group paid $5,000 each for the fixtures in our salons. I mean, in, in the two salons that were upgraded. So this would cover the bulk of payroll. Then I started organizing all of our product and our back bar inventory. Back bar stuff is, you know, like colors and perm stuff, things that not retail, it's, it's things that we use day to day. You know, so it took me a while to, to get to that, but I finally did, and it put more money in our pockets. So I finally made payroll. You know, thank the universe for that. I couldn't make that paid time off accrual. <clears throat> it, that was just too much. I, I there was no way I was going to make that. I told my lawyer. I told John, and he told me that I was not on the hook personally for the PTO. I just needed to cover the actual payroll. <laughs> Thank goodness. Uh, Steve, you know, again, the owner that I'd worked with, you know, he bought one of my salon fixtures, you know, one of my salon's uh, layout. He told me to stop worrying about my former employees, my former team, and you know, my, my family. I, the, my employees didn't like me anymore. <laughs> Once an employer is no longer an employer, they're gone. They're no longer a source of income. I really thought we'd built so much together. It was such a shock to me. So I went back to selling stuff. And that's when I ran into my own personal online thief. That's right. On top of everything else, I ran into a thief. <laughs> What's going on with the universe? I, I just, I know I keep coming back to this theme you know, this, this concept, but I, I must've done something in a previous life, you know, Shirley McLean stuff. I, I just, who was I? How bad was I? Where'd I live? <laughs> Did I torture people? I mean, I, I just, this, these things keep happening. You know, I lost Dan. I lost my son. I lost Lori. And I know relationships end, as she said, but the way it ended, and she knew my personality, she knew who I was and what it would do to me, and it destroyed me. And then my business. I know I've said all this again and again, but it's still hard to fathom. It's hard to, hard to understand. Why did my business have to go away as well? I mean, 
Couldn't I get one of the three? <laughs> Hang on to it? Make my life work? It was gone. It was me, my two dogs, Harbor and Jax, a Nissan Pathfinder, 2018. I had two guitars, and I have two computers, well, three computers, if you count the Microsoft Surface, I guess. And, you know, this recording equipment, you know, which is part of the, like, kind of the computers, but that's it. I'd gone from having a full life, I'd gone from having a, a home, a house, you know, all, all these material goods, they were just gone. I, every time I moved, I, I ditched more to the point where I had nothing left. I mean, really, just nothing left. A lot of self-pity. I know it's a lot of self-pity, but it just it just hurts sometimes. Like, why why did it go this path? Anyway, I'm going to wrap up episode 16 here. And when we get into the next episode, as I mentioned, we're going to get into a thief. Somebody who stole from me. <laughs> on top of everything else that was going on. If you have any questions for me, as I've said, you know, a few times, you can email me at kevin at hotpotforlife.com, H-O-T-P-O-T-F-O-R-L-I-F-E.com. I'd love to get any comments from you. If you have questions for me, I will respond, and I'd love to get your story if you have something you want to relate. Thank you again for listening. Share this with a friend. And I can't wait to talk to you again. Take care of yourself. Heartbreak. Heart. Break. And hot pot. Heartbreak 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 and hot pot.